gentlemen, and welcome to the Kane and Rinse Podcast, Volume 8, Issue 362, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. If you wish to play along with the show, the next five issues are This War of Mine, Pilot Wings, Final Fantasy IX, Pony Island, and Doom 2016. More information on those upcoming shows can be found on kaneandrinse.com, as amongst as many other things if you wish to wander over there. Remember... If you become a patron supporter, you get the show a week earlier than non-subscribers, and that can be had for as little as one dollar, seven p, or eighty-nine euros, or more if you wish. More information on that can be found over at patreoncom rinse. If you enjoy this show, then why not take a look at the others we have on the Canaan Rinse website? We have Sound of Play, which covers game music, and that can be found on a Wednesday. We have Playwright, which is a video games pitch podcast, which can be found on Thursdays. The Sausage Factory, where Chris O'Regan talks to developers, and that can be found on Friday. Last, but just as important to the show's growth, if you could find the time to subscribe, review, and rate, and share our content via the usual social networks, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc., then we'll send warm hug your way. So, joining me in this issue are Jacob Geller. Get ready, Kinderlach. We have less than seven seconds. Hello. John Salmon. <laughs> I'm not going to do a joke. <laughs> and Carl Moon. Hey, guys. So, Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Here we are. So, developed by Machine Games. Uh, obviously, their previous work would include Wolfenstein, the new order back in 2014. Uh, Wolfenstein, the old blood in 2015, which I haven't played. Uh, 2016 they made Quake Dimensions of the Past for the PS4 um, and for, and that was before 2017's obviously New Colossus uh, the publisher was Bethesda Softworks returning director of John Mattis from uh, The New Order also the game designer of The Darkness 2007 obviously we really, really like that game on the show uh, and he was the level designer on the Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay in 2004 producer was John Jennings artist Axel Trevonis Writers, uh, Jens Mathis and Tommy Torderson Bjork. I'm going to go with that. Composers, Mick Gordon and Martin Stick Anderson. Uh, the game was released for Windows, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on the 27th of October 2017. Eight months later, there was a Switch port um, on the 29th of June in 2018. The reviews, pretty positive at the time. Um, you know, take Metacritic with a pinch of salt, but... You know, around 70 reviews brings in a, an average score of 87%. The Nintendo Switch version came in a slightly from 51 reviews at 79%, mostly down to a number of complaints about, you know, slight technical issues, you know, limitations of the platform on all. Just amazing. They managed to get it on that thing in the first place. Just for a bit of context, uh, obviously, you know, all of us here and probably many people listening to the show would have played the new order and that scored a 79%. So in theory, um, 87% beat 79%. So it should be a better game and we'll find out if that was the case. Picked up a few awards along the way. It was um, nominated for a BAFTA, no less for Best Narrative. It didn't win, but um, <laughs> it, it did win. Um, well, it was also nominated in the Game Awards for Best Direction, Best Narrative and Best Performance or Performer. Yeah, Best Performance. Um, and it eventually won for Best Action Game. Sales is always a tricky thing to find in any game. And I it seems from different places around 3 million copies would be about right. Um, some people would say less, some people would say more. But obviously with digital sales and the Switch release and all that stuff afterwards, I believe it sits around there, which I can't work out from releases whether that's 
a reasonable amount, whether Bethesda were happy with that amount or whether that was classed as a bit of a, a failure on their part. I'm not sure. Bethesda are a very strange company right now. So spoiler warnings, we are going to talk about big issues in this game. Um, there will absolutely be areas that we spoil. So if you want to go into the game completely uh, untainted, then uh, I would suggest you either stop listening to the podcast now or go off and play the game and come back again once you've finished. And that, that includes the new order as well, because it's impossible to talk about this game without talking about the first. It would be weird to play one and not the other, but from a gameplay perspective, I'm sure you could. But yes, um, so uh, so our histories with the franchise. Uh, John, how about you? I think up until this point, I've played pretty much all of the Wolfenstein games. Um, the only one that I can think of that I've definitely not played is the one from about 10 years ago that was on the Xbox 360 that had all the weird like time uh was it time manipulation stuff in it yeah you're meant to play it on me yeah but i'm sure that one day we might <laughs> <laughs> if we ever play anything we were together. gonna do the multiplayer but we never got around to it no. yeah I, i've got a copy of it but i think that's just about the only only wolfenstein game i haven't played the more pertinent ones the new order and the old blood i've played both of them probably within the last three or four years or so um but i was yeah i really enjoyed specifically the new order the old blood's a bit more of a I don't really know how to describe it. It doesn't feel like a mainline game. I think it would, might have been DLC originally. I wouldn't go as far to say filler, but <laughs> it does feel a little bit like something that could have been tacked on as an expansion that they they decided to stretch out. Um, and it's a bit more traditional than than the the New Order and the New Colossus. But I I was very surprised when I played through the New Order that it wasn't just a kind of a real dumb you know, shooting game that it did actually have quite a well-built storyline and, and some pretty interesting and involved characters and stuff. And I definitely wasn't expecting any of that, but it's absolutely suited me. I really enjoy, um, you know, sort of long uh, narrative driven single player games like Half-Life and, you know, narrative and like environmentally driven. Um, so I was, I was very, very happy with the new order. And I think can't remember if I pre-ordered the new Colossus or if I just picked it up at launch, but I had it. Oh, Carl. So I originally got it uh, gifted from Josh on the PC. Uh, started playing that. Uh, it taxed the PC a little bit too much in terms of everything that it was doing. Um, it does have a very um, interesting and incredible lighting system um, that you kind of always want the best possible visuals. And it, it felt like it became a big challenge between toggling stuff per level to be able to yeah, get through that. I, I think it's fair to say that the game release had not broken, but it, it had certainly on the PC versions from research, it had a few bugs. So I then went and picked it up on the PlayStation 4. This is the game that sent my PS4 into overdrive, being really, <laughs> really loud. Uh, the PS4 never recovered from that, by the way. It is still like a jet engine. <laughs> I got an Xbox One X for Christmas in 2018. I already had a copy of Wolfenstein 2 on that, so I thought, well, third time lucky. <laughs> and um, thankfully, that console's an absolute beast, so that was the one where I actually played through. So, so really, you just need the Switch to complete the bird. Yeah, complete the collection. Just, oh, you know. don't. It'll set on fire. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll deal with all the lighting and the, the weird particle effects and stuff really well. I think I, I do think, I believe it is a competent point. You know, obviously, resolution-wise, it's it's quite dropped down. I think they've they ditched a lot of the shadows and stuff and the particle effects. But, uh, you know, from what I've seen, it's, you know, it's reasonable. 
Anyway, Jacob, Jacob, did you buy three copies of <laughs> the New Colossus? Or no, what, what is your history of the franchise? I only bought one, but I did buy it the day it came out. The New Order is, is we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, but one of my favorite games, just period from a narrative perspective. And so I was very excited for this one. And the, the advertising campaign really sold me on it, which is another thing that we'll talk about. And and yeah, I just I played through it almost immediately. One one thing that I guess. OK, so so my history with the franchise, I wasn't even born when uh, Wolfenstein 3D came out and I really haven't touched any of the other ones. I've only played the New Order and the New Colossus. What's that, um, 92? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a 95 baby. Um, but also... Also, importantly, I think for for the show is to note just in my own personal history, um, I am very Jewish. I was I was raised Jewish and um, my my grandparents and great grandparents uh, are from France and lived there during World War Two. And my my grandma made it out of France and my great grandparents did not, as is the story for many Jews. So as as we get into the more like personal aspects of this game, I feel like. I just want to give that context up front. Over the you know, many issues of Kane and Rinch, we've actually covered pretty much the majority of the Wolfenstein games. We started off with, obviously, Castle Wolfenstein and Beyond Carp and Wolfenstein and Wolfenstein 3D and Spear of Destiny all in one issue back in issue 161. Um, so, you know, all the way back into 1981, so long before you were born, Jacob, but still a year before I was born. So, I was still a year after I was born. I did play Wolfenstein on the Xbox 360 and it was... Yeah, it was okay. It was perfectly adequate as a, you know, as a, you know, a shooter. <laughs> um, and we covered that in issue 168. And uh, unbelievably, we covered the new order back in issue 176, which considering, you know, we're what, 300 and where are we now? 362 <laughs> seems like an incredibly long time ago uh, when it doesn't actually feel like that long a time ago. So... Yes, no, I've, I've done the full gambit of Wolfenstein games. And like we've all said here, you know, the, the New Order was different. <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a, a shot in the arm um, for a series that was kind of like, yeah, this is perfectly fine. Yeah, so yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm qualified to talk about uh, the franchise somewhat by you know, going way back. And actually, it's, it's interesting some of the elements that I think they've actually kind of cribbed from the earlier games. And um, and brought them into um, the new Colossus. Uh, interestingly, certainly some of the more kind of stealthy aspects. We mentioned earlier a little bit about the the ad campaign that happened prior to the new Colossus's release. It was a tad extreme. It's fair to say um, they leant very heavily on the kind of um, we don't swear in this podcast, so I can't really you know do this. But I guess you know Nazis uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, they really leant on. Nazis are bad. This game allows you to kill Nazis. Isn't that great? And what was weird at the time, obviously, um, well, you'd be able to talk more about the context of this, but the world seems to be going through a, a, a sea change at the moment of you know right wing politics. It seemed from the from the outside looking in anyway that this game was kind of just latching on to a bit of what was happening at that present moment. Um, and almost, you know, like it was out of context. It's like, well, the game can't be challenging ideals of America and, and Nazis, and, and I'm not sure about this. And so it came off quite brash at the time. How has it come across to you guys? Certainly Jacob, who's kind of, you know, more in the, the kind of the, the line of fire, I guess, as a from the political point of view. Yeah, well, the, so the, the context in at least, at least kind of being heavily involved in American politics at the time was... Um, 
I don't I don't even want to say his name, but there was a, a <laughs> prominent Nazi kind of an alt right, like very mm-hmm. much Nazi identifier who had been uh, talking to like a news person and was just punched in the face yes. on like live. And, and that was instantly like put to music and all this stuff. Beautiful and, memes, man. Beautiful <laughs> and and it kind of ignited, you know, maybe it was just a an Internet argument that didn't extend to real life, but it felt like it was a real like the country's moral crisis was is it okay to punch nazis and <laughs> um and so it did seem like it was latching on to social issues in a way but in a world that so many video games are resistant to say they're political at all i actually really admired <laughs> wolfenstein for for being like we are not taking a a centrist position on this. Like the, the Ubisoft line. <laughs> None of our games are political apart from they're incredibly political. Yeah, and it's like it was brazen, but the fact that you you almost never see that level of brazenness in these kind of advertising campaigns. So I was I was really there for it. I just think that's what the sh- the shock was. You you don't normally see someone going out. You know, both barrels blazing. And I think that's without context of people playing the game prior to that. I think it felt like it was almost unearned, which is a weird way of saying you have to earn to call out Nazis. But it it was odd. And and certainly as, you know, looking into this, like the game story was written in 2014. So, you know, you could argue it was it was latching on to a movement just at that time, but hadn't really, you know, set in the way, you know, I could look back in 2019 now and say, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, you know, it's looking back at some of the the elements of today. You're know, absolutely, you know, you know, square on the nose. But you know, 2014, I don't know. That didn't feel like it, it was necessarily you know, that much of a sea change. But well, I mean, this advertising campaign was 2017, not 2014. But um, I do feel that the the release of the New Order and then the New Colossus have presumably weren't planned in the slightest, but have ended up fitting in very timely with the current fortuitous. political circus that's been going on. What a horrible situation. Fortuitous. Yay. Great. Oh. <laughs> I think I think the problem, or maybe not the problem with the advertising campaign, but yeah, I will say I was, you know, I'm, I'm very, very much in agreement with the messages that they were stating about, you know, we don't want Nazis in America. But I think the thing that comes across strange about it is that you don't normally get such a, a strong, hard line, um, viewpoint from the left that's more the sort of thing that the right caught with that very hard line sort of strong take on things whereas the left always comes across a little bit more moderate and a little bit more um you know subtle and downplayed so it seemed it did seem slightly incongruous having that very um a very sort of violently outward message about it and it's it's interesting because it's not like we don't want nazis in america is a a hardline leftist stance. I mean, at least it shouldn't be. But but it yeah, it seemed to suddenly become that. And so it like you know, video games have been killing Nazis forever. But just then, it seemed like a political stance, whereas it hadn't previously. I found it a really refreshing change. Uh, again, like's been mentioned, it's the kind of thing that you don't normally see in video games from anyone really. I mean. You can get sort of smaller campaign games that can give a powerful message. They know they're not going to have that big 
share of the market. This was a a big, brash, an outside perspective that doesn't take itself seriously or its subject matter. It's a huge, big, aggressive, literally double-barreled shooter of a game that suddenly comes out with this message of, you know what, it's like basically it's never not fun to punch a Nazi in the face. And that's, you know... It's true. I mean, it doesn't matter what decade. (laughs) Punching Nazis in the face is a good thing. So for a studio to come out and do it with this big, strong message, first of all, it's about time. And second of all, it was nice that it actually came from a publisher is actually really notable. Like, it's one of the big five out there. So to actually see that... Because this is the kind of thing, you know, we we might joke, and I, I don't want to say that by saying that you wouldn't expect to see this message from EA or Ubisoft that they actually support Nazis. It's not that at all. From those major studios, in any medium, you don't normally see such a straight upfront message with an aggressive advertising campaign. And it, it let's be honest, it actually felt quite well-timed. You know, everything aligned that it actually made a, a bigger statement than, we, than it than was probably intended. It will have been talked about that they were going to go with this strong strong advertising campaign. Things were in full flight <laughs> throughout late 2016, early 2017, and it kind of aligned really, really well in that regard um, to actually land a stronger message. Could they have said the same thing for the original Wolfenstein in what, 2007? Or, I'm not sure when the 360 version was released. They could have but it wouldn't have had as big an impact because the actual things that were going on in the world weren't aligned with the impact of the story in the in the game. Quaint 2007. Yeah. Oh, so, there. so, you know, I mean, if they said, oh, yeah, it's great to punch zombies, everyone... Uh, zombies. It's great to punch Nazis. Everyone would have been like, yeah, okay, whatever. But in 2016... In 2016, with the way that the, uh, the US was... Uh, and you know without getting too political it was very um getting a lot of press in 2016 2017 that was you know that that message landed a lot stronger and got a lot more um a lot more of a hold in in that world on like twitter and social media and stuff and that you know punch nazis jacob i mean you already mentioned that um the new order was you know a, a special game for you I want to get our opinions, just a quick overview of our opinions on the new world, because I think it does kind of tie into this game and um, how open we were to some of the the more you know, grander ideas of, of what this franchise was aiming to be. Um, and it is, yeah, I think it's a franchise. I believe there's meant to be free in this kind of franchise. So, I mean, I was on the new order show and um, I think I was the one that was the most down on the game out of all the panelists there. And it wasn't actually down to... Um, you know, I thought it was a really competent shooter. Like, it, you know, really loved the, the stealth aspects and all that stuff that came with that game. But I, I couldn't get my head around the story. It's funny now I say that because there's many aspects about the new Colossus that I really like. And I actually, I think if I was to return to the new order now with some context, I think I'd probably enjoy the game a lot more. But, but at the time, my major complaint, and yeah, you know, I hold my hands up. I could have been wrong. My major complaint was. I couldn't get on with the juxtaposition of really kind of interesting, sensible storytelling with the dumbass kind of um, over-the-top shooter. And at times, um, the story felt like it was varying too far one way and then the other. Like, it's, even at times, the story felt like it was just 
wanted to kind of be a dumbass shooter, but at the same time wanted to be a grown-up conversation. And I, I just really struggled from the entirety of that game to get my head around that one aspect. And I, in the end, it's the thing that kind of left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth, that it just wasn't quite one or the other. It didn't know what it wanted to be. Now, I reckon if I went back to play that now with, with the context of New Colossus, I would probably have a different opinion. But I, certainly if people were go, to go back now, I you know, hold my hands up. That was my opinion. Now, I don't know if that was shared by anyone else on this on this um, issue, but that's where I stand. Obviously, Jacob, I don't think that was yours, but John Carl? Mm-mm. No, I, I thought that they were very intentionally going at treading both of those lines at the same time. And I was, I it's something, like I said before, with the like single-player narrative, environmentally, whatever-driven shooters that I, I thought was very um, very refreshing having their... Like the, as you say, the kind of the big dumb shooter levels, then it may not be quite, uh, you know, one on one off, but interspersed every level or two with then, you know, they they sort of still referred to them as like the levels where you were exploring um, whatever your base was in the new order and sort of talking to people in there and catching other little bits of story. And I'm sure that they, it wasn't, you know, anything that was done accidentally or you know, or they sort of stumbled across it. I'm sure it was a very conscious decision to to build the the world at the same time as just you know letting you have free reign to go and do the gameplay things. Because I mean, they've they've clearly followed exactly the same pattern into this game. Yeah, I think what here's here's my hot take for the show, or one of them, is that uh, Wolfenstein: The New Order is is Spec Ops the line in that it kind of introduces itself as a genre that it is not and so then it can really powerfully subvert your expectations because what that game did was went in like a big dumb shooter and then kind of pulled the rug out from under you and and you had these incredibly well-written characters and and really fascinating and kind of nuanced plot lines i so did not expect that kind of storyline from the game and it does it's such a good job of kind of presenting itself as other that I think it's really effective by nature of being surprising. And that's one of the things that that makes it so strong for me, as well as just like the writing and the character work being fantastic. It's kind of funny because I didn't like Spec Up the Line either. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it go. does the same <laughs> trick better, honestly. No, actually, my, my issues with Spec Up the Line are completely for a, obviously a different show. You can go back and listen to that. But I always felt that that was a shooter first and then they added the story afterwards and kind of tried to mash them together and it didn't quite feel the same. So, yeah, uh, maybe, you know. I, no, I mean, I don't for, you know, to, to John's point, like I, I, I get the intention, like the absolute their, their intention was to, to do what they achieved with the game. It wasn't seamless. It seemed to kind of be two separate games um, well, two separate elements. You know, you had the story element and the gameplay element, and for whatever reason, they did not um, mesh with me. And that's you know, uh, I, I put my hands you know, up now and I say the new Colossus pulls much the same trick, but for whatever reason, this time those more kind of comedic element, oh, comedic sounds so wrong, but those kind of you know more light-hearted elements um, seem to sit with me a lot better this time around. So let's get talking about why we're here, the, the new Colossus. We could probably fill the entire issue out with just talking about the story of the new Colossus, but we're going to focus on just a few of the major moments. And what better place than the opening cutscene of the game featuring Blaskwitch having flashbacks to his childhood and the effect it has on him wanting to be a father to his yet unborn child with Anna and ultimately the shaping of his entire life. 
Steve Aaron from the forum is a good place to start with this. For all the fun I had blasting racists, it was the encounter with Blashowitz's father that lingers most poignantly in my mind. This odious man, too useless to have achieved for himself and too cowardly to stand up to true evil, brought to mind the attitude of far too many people on both sides of the Atlantic living today. So, yeah, I mean, where would you like to begin here? Because, you know, there's many aspects of the game. And I think, you know, that opening scene with Blasewitz's dad, I mean, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a kick in the gut, isn't it? That, that right. seems to open a game up. You know, it's like, OK, right. Oh, wow. OK. So, so the beginning of the game starts and, and you, are, you are both at once dying in the present from, from, you know, basically the end of the new order and flashing back to your past and, and BJ's childhood is living with uh, an abusive father who who is violently racist and anti-Semitic against his mother and makes him shoot his dog just mm-hmm. to kind of make him strong. I mean, like like the most horrific man. And I've heard criticisms that that he's kind of he's overly villainous. You know, he's like he's so evil it's hard to take seriously. But what what my video was about and what I think the um, you know, the character of the father really does is shows that that the issues that they're grappling with in this game of kind of Nazism and white supremacy were not unique to Germany at all. And in fact, in in literal history, you can find many, many instances of like Germans structuring their system of white supremacy around what America basically already had in place with with Jim Crow laws and with, you know, a history of slavery and oppression and the kind of weird way that race works, meaning that Jews were included in the non-white group, even though visually you might look at like most Jews and and today think like, oh, yeah, you know, they're they're white because their skin is this color. That's actually not how race works. And so that's (laughs) <laughs> That's one of the things I went into in this video. It's a there's a lot to cover here. But what I like about the start of this game is that they present you right away with even though Blaskowitz really like identifies as an American, the country that he's coming from and the, the upbringing that he's coming from is really fraught with these same problems that he's fighting against now. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. And and the, the context, I, I mean, obviously this game was... 2017 and you know we are a couple of years obviously beyond that but you know i'm not going to say america has more context now than 2017 because i think there's plenty of people (laughs) trying to push back but there's elements of this story that are probably more profound now seeing what's happening in america not only america other parts of the world i mean i'd even you know bundle the uk's particular crisis with its identity a little bit into this of you know worrying about people around them and close, trying to close down its borders and in, in fear of uh, you know the populists that are coming over right you know as is fear rather than in, embrace. So magical isopod says from the forum, what annoys me most though is how the series wimped out when it came to being politically poignant in any way. Like okay, the first one was not exactly a new and exciting hot take on fascism in Europe. It's the first one. It's setting the stage for space Nazis and magical Jewish technology. But when you move your setting to to the United States, a country where fascism is very real today, where fascism was very real in the 60s, and where there are handfuls of people in 2019 who are actually proud to call themselves Nazis, the best you can do is bumbling comic relief KKK guys? Seriously? 
I wanted to have some Malcolm X level of populist hatred towards the ruling status quo. I wanted to shoot McCarthyists and white power assholes in the face. The game is set in America, but almost but says almost nothing about America. Philosophically, it's just a retread of Nazis are bad. Well, yeah, they are. But they're a hell of a lot scarier when you realize that your casually racist neighbor would actually support the Third Reich given that chance. They're a lot scarier when you realize there are people in government right now who are a soft summer breeze away from legislating work camps and death squads. This game was a missed opportunity, and I will forever spite it for taking the wimpy route out of taking a stand against fascism in a series about fighting fascism. Wow. (laughs) I think this is a really interesting forum post because it is one that I just could not disagree with more. Um, I'm kind of, I think one of the fantastic things about this game is how directly it points out the American parallels over and over again. I mean, Grace directly says that it was like that white America basically rolled over and let the Nazis take over. Uh, There are conversations in Roswell where you have characters talking about how slavery is back, like just white American characters kind of in in the, the tone of voice that you would invite someone to a picnic. You have these big parades and and celebrations of Nazism that are made clear, like average Americans are celebrating like this is the story of the game is that America was so easily taken over And so I don't know. I feel like it's not looking very far into the actual themes to say that this game doesn't have anything to say because the whole concept of America that like needs to be reminded that it's not fascist is is such a political stance in this game. You have you have actors begging to star in Nazi propaganda films like this is an America who is fully corroborating and and I think that's fantastic for the story of this game. It is surprising to me to see someone who who feels so so the opposite. To be fair to Isopold, I mean he's looking for it. He's not like he's putting a, a resistance to it. This is something that he wants the game to tackle, and feels like actually the game hasn't you know hit it head on. He, it's kind of rushed around it. I find it fascinating that the game was willing to tackle such subjects when so many before it haven't mm-hmm. although yeah. you know it, it may not be um you know super subtle um i think the fact that it's even you know exploring subjects around that i think is a a, a real positive and you know i i think it's you know it's it, it comes across relatively well from you know from someone who lives in the uk obviously i don't i don't have the context of american politics that that you do yeah, I mean, I just want to take the second to return to this KKK element because I think it's really interesting how they're used in the game, and I and I make this point in the video. But the fact that they are kind of comedically bad at fitting in with Nazism shows that that like for the Nazis, being white is just kind of an excuse like or or defining whiteness as like yeah, you know, the KKK, you guys can help because you also hate black and brown people that's temporary they are using the kkk as means to an end and you can feel kind of the disdain for the nazis when they're talking to the kkk you can feel that they are only allies for the next i don't know three weeks and then they are going in the same camps as everyone else when they redefine Aryanness to not include them anymore 
Yeah. At some point, um, it will be, you know, just being an American, not being an original German or not actually mm-hmm. being a member of the Nazi party is going to be enough to get you chucked in the concentration camp. And that's kind of an end game that's probably not that much further down the line in the in the world here. I mean, they've already got in that Roswell section, there's lots of posters and mentions of the fact that English is being phased out and that everybody is going to have to have learned to speak German at some point. I think they say it's like by next year in the game. So it's, I mean, it's, it's going down that line. Like the idea that, uh, that this game kind of doesn't take it far enough that it's, it doesn't make enough of a point about, you know, how, how Nazism is bad. I mean, they, they literally have an actor named Ronald Reagan begging to be a part of a Nazi propaganda film. Like it could not be much more on the nose than it is. I, I mean, I, from, from ISA points of view, I, I thought that they could have done more with the resistance um, fighting from America. I think that there, there is some fantastic stuff in there. And, you know, I, I certainly understand the different, uh, separate elements that come together and one of the great things about um, your squad your squad your, the members of your um, your team is that they are of you know marginal backgrounds you, know, you you have you know black you have you know Jews you you have you know well all, all sorts isn't it I mean everybody's you know I guess females in, in some respects and so everyone seems to be represented there and yeah they're saying look you know this this is your you'd think this is America but actually no this this is not that anymore you know whether your America actually the pure America that you assumed existed actually still does you know or ever did exist we're not sure because you know we've always been on the outside and it's funny you know from the from the outsider looking in because really when you look at Blaskowitz I mean he is you know the perfect Aryan child, isn't he? You know he's big, he's strong, he's blonde. He's, you know, he he basically kills anybody that is laid uh, in front of him. You know, he's a powerhouse. Yet, as you point out, you know, he's half Jew. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's fully Jew because it, it, Jewish is is a matrilineal religion. So if your mom is, then you are. <laughs> that's how it works. Well, that's fine. I'm I'm willing to get to to you know absolutely yes. But and and to bring it back to all the way back to the start of the game, and I think that's why that opening scene with the father is is so powerful because obviously you know any violence towards children is going to disturb them for a very long time but to see that violence also carried out towards his mother um and you know the idea that you know he needs to be stronger to survive in his world and his dad his dad has built the entirety of this kind of facade around him that he needs to be this thing to be respected in this world and it you know it, it just puts all that power back into to BJ, it takes many years for him to get there, and many other issues to, uh, to combine. But that that one instance, well, that that one of those instances, the absolute torture of his father towards at least his mother and himself, is is a really powerful scene. I think you know, to, as an opener to what could be classed as a dumb shooter, is you know, is really like setting setting it stall out from the moment you know the first moment you know this this game is not going to pull any punches if you're not willing to continue from here then please you know jump off now because you know we all continue with this yeah so in particular that roswell scene what i what i um found um fascinating from the new order that you know the the elements of the uh, in all order where they put them together is to say you know oh yeah this is you know popular american songs now sung in german you know the propaganda seemed to be obviously spread up 
across the place, but it almost seemed to be like this kind of like, not an afterthought, like it was definitely part of the world. But I love the fact in New Colossus, it really is part of the world. Like you, you, you're walking inside it rather than it just being, you know, elements of magazines and newspapers scattered about. Roswell really does feel like, you know, you know, it's landed on these shores and, you know, it's, it's happening right in front of you. And I, I love that rather than it just being a collective of kind of elements thrown together uh, around normal environments. So yeah, we've obviously opened up the store and you know, I think we've we would all agree I think this this game has some pretty weighty topics it wants to um tackle and you know, there is many elements of the game we could continue to discuss about that. But equally, it wouldn't be a Wolfenstein game without some of those elements being a little bit over the top. When I think of over the top scenes in a new Colossus, there is one in particular, uh, <laughs> and that's the uh, the courthouse scene. Um, I'll, I'll I'll lead us off with uh, Simon Sloth's post. The most powerful moment for me was the courtroom sequence where the game toys of you. A moment I appear to have full control of. It treats you to the steepest difficulty spike I can remember in a modern game in which you break free of your shackles in a courtroom and shoot you away from countless enemies using the perilous little ammo you collect from the fallen foes. It's a roller coaster ride of pure grit and determination to the most perfect audio accompaniment. After many a reach I, I finally did it. A true punch the air moment of reverie only to encounter William's mother, who surely couldn't be there? Oh no. Slowly the realisation crept in that this wasn't real. This was William's dream, my heroic fantasy, my video game assumption. I had to escape, surely. The stark, cold reality that I was about to be executed was a, a powerful moment in a video game of this type as I can remember. Maybe I'm a sucker, a tad naive perhaps. Machine games drew me into an impossible escape narrative to such a degree that the reality made me sick to my core. Until that is that BJ's head is rescued. Silly, ludicrous, impossible a pure euphoric moment and extremely clever yeah i think that the game has or the you know the designers of this have realized at some point that when you're going to start a game off by having you know incredibly grim scenes and spend i mean i don't know how long it took everybody to play through this game it's a good like eight to ten hours even if you just run through on a on one of the very low difficulties but if you you know it can be double that with retries and things if you're playing on one of the harder ones so I think I think they realized that if you're going to subject somebody to just the amount of grim subject material then mixed in with you know like really ultra violent you know, combat sequences just constantly uh it it makes sense to break things up with moments of of levity and you know there, there are a lot of bits in this that are sort of funny at the same time as being horrible like the the i mean you met next thing in the um next thing in the notes is the sequence um at the beginning of the venus uh mission where you're auditioning for a play uh or sorry a movie um whose lead character is um is blaskovitz but it's i guess it's told from the nazi's point of view so you sit there with a ridiculously fake looking mustache. Like you couldn't mm -hmm. be more obviously actual Blaskovich <laughs> when you've got pictures <laughs> of his face and stuff all over the room. And you, he is the worst actor who writes like a line that's, you know, sort of three, four words, which is every single one is just like, I kill you Nazi scum written on his hand that then rubs off. 
and he sits there like with with the 71 72 year old like decrepit disgusting like hidden out of sight uh, version of Adolf Hitler that is still alive in in the early 1960s kind of waving a gun around and and you know and he shot one of the other actors for calling him Mr Hitler instead of Herr <laughs> Führer and you know peeing in a champagne bucket and this this <laughs> very obviously not the person who he's supposed to be. Blaskovitz is sitting there, like, reading off the back of his hand in the most stunted delivery possible. It just, it breaks up that horrible nature of the rest of the game. And it's similarly with, like, the party scene when you come back from a mission and everybody gets drunk and throws a party. And it's interspersed with, you know, just really stupid little segments of you know someone getting cross that someone blocked up the toilet and someone busting into a room to find a couple of the other characters having sex with each other it's the little moments of like levity between it that make it easier to continue going through with with the game is out of control hand arm oh god yeah (laughs) yeah i i I think you make a good point john because my I played through it on I Am Death Incarnate and my final playtime was like 24 and a half hours. So it was those little moments of levity meant a lot because the struggle and the frustration and the difficulty that kept coming to get to those moments where you heard some story or you had some humour meant they landed much stronger than they could have. Um, so that, that scene you're on about is... Like, I loved that scene. It was completely unexpected. I hadn't seen any spoilers for it, thankfully. And I genuinely enjoyed every single second of it. Little moments that would happen, even daft things like trying to find potatoes on the submarine to try and feed the um, feed the pig. And then the, the idea that everyone's going to get drunk because they're either going to succeed or die, essentially. Um, so they all just have a party. And, you know, these little things um, I absolutely adored about the game. You know, and I think it's an interesting point of departure from the New Order because the New Order had, and, and I've played, I kind of know both of these games like back to front now because of this video, but the New Order had, had ridiculous situations. You would go to the Nazi moon base or you would, you know, be stomping through a concentration camp in a, in a mech. Um, but the characters were always very, very grounded, very down to earth. And and in this game, you have similarly absurd situations and the characters are also more absurd than they were in the first game. And that's not to say that they're poorly written, but like the character of Set Roth in Wolfenstein one and two, they might as well be different people like they are. Mm-hmm. They are so differently written and and you know Anya is too and Bombate and and basically every character has been kind of Wolfenstein 2 is much pulpier than Wolfenstein 1 you know one felt like a serious attempt at a character character drama and Wolfenstein 2 is more Tarantino maybe like it's just they're they're all really kind of punchy and odd and in a way that's really entertaining but also makes it very different than the game that it's a direct continuation from and so it's really weird to play these two back to back because they're the same characters but in many ways they're acting in completely different ways than they used to i think of all of them set was the most noticeable departure from his original character um, whether or not it was the nature of him being in a concentration camp to being full of hope and leading the revolution um, from our side. But even from the very start, when he sets up the traps that 
are essentially exploding Nazis as they run through it, and he's quite blasé and humorous about the stuff happening, and that it did it did feel a little bit. And I think you're right. I think pulp is probably the best description for it, and. I don't think it's a bad thing. Like I said, I think the characters remain great characters, but it's a lot more noticeable that in The New Colossus, it's a band of outcasts, a band of the others Mm -hmm. getting together to fight. Um, And it, it sells that really, really well. Now, that's something we have seen in games before, but this doesn't sell it like, this is the nerdy one. This is, you know, the little bit weird one. It, this, you know, this isn't the breakfast club of, <laughs> of groups. Like, everyone has true meanings, and you, you've got, like, true leaders like Grace Walker in there, who is fantastic in this game. Like, genuinely one of my favourite all-time video game characters. Um, and then you've got Set, who's actually quite funny. Um, and he, he has a humour that he didn't have in the last one. And then you've got... Uh, the the arc of Max Haas, who obviously can only say his name, but then you realise he's actually an artist and he's, you know, he's creating these wonderful things. And you, the more you bring new people in and recruit them, the chemistry expands and you, and you actually feel like you have a really good team. And it it just it, it feels so so well done in over the arc of the game that by the end of it. Like, I was... Because this is a game that can kill them off, and it it it, it, it makes it. that it makes that <laughs> act at the start of this game that killed off my favourite character from Wolfenstein, uh, The New Order, and I, I swear to yeah. God, like, it, I was angry. Yeah, and towards the end of this game, Anya is pregnant, but she's still in battle. And Jacob again talks about this in his in his video about she's still able, probably every bit as able as BJ is. I got really uncomfortable every time she was in an action sequence because I thought if she dies, like I will be raging, like I will be so angry at this game, and like I felt like a real connection to these characters, particularly Anya because she's a wonderful character throughout the two. But yeah, it's unusual to get that feeling for characters in a game. They they don't let their their perceived you know, disability in, in that case of being pregnant in, in kind of a weird way of not being hindrance to who they are. You know, they're, they're fighting the war and that's just what they do. You yes. Yeah. You know, from, from whatever race, nationality or creed, it's just, no, you know, we are fighting this and, you know, we are no different from you. We can do these a things. A common evil. Yeah. And I, and I think to me, it's almost like, you know, Star Wars versus the Empire Strikes Back. You know, one's the you know the opening story. One's then more about you know the collective crew of kind of you know taking the, the fight forward. What what I would say though is, I think the game feels a bit um, story wise. I think the game feels a bit um, lopsided. I think you know the the more serious kind of um, interesting kind of BJ's Blasterwitz stuff is a bit front loaded and. As it gets through, as he gets his new body from the cool room scene, he becomes maybe a little bit less interesting, other than kind of just that pure revenge. And so, and I think then it the, the game relies a lot more heavily on its its assembled cast, uh, ensemble cast. Um, and I don't think it's quite as powerful as um, as the stories previously to it in that regards. But I think there's absolutely 
room to grow. It feels like we're at a good place for a, for a third game where you know the, the collective really do come together and, and show a you know a true force towards uh, um, the Nazis. There, it has to be like the the awkward middle ground between a really strong beginning and a really strong ending. If this is envisioned to be a trilogy, which I think it is, you know, like. Like the New Order does such a strong job of kind of setting this world and developing him as a character. And and the third game will, you know, probably give us kind of closure on the story. And this one's it, it it's in a tricky place because it can't actually wrap up the story because there there needs to be <laughs> more told um and it and it has to kind of set up these new characters and this new world that we didn't experience in the first game at all and so i feel like it doesn't it's it's more you know it's more of a process game than it is a conclusion um but it finds space in all of those to still to still land some really fantastic and memorable sequences well presumably they will take the fight to allied germany <laughs> yeah or Venus, or wherever they are now. Yeah, it's like I, the, before we we jump, jump onto other aspects other than the story now. But I have to say, the the moment Blaskowitz is decapitated and in front of the you know, the world's audience, I am sat there going like that can't. Hmm, yeah. Okay. And then the the whole idea that his head can be re-sewn back onto a new body within you know moments, and then him having against this... oxygenated blood pumped into it. I mean, they they set it up with the cat rat cat monkey thing. Fine. Yeah, but the thing yeah. that's subtly right, like that's never overly <laughs> but, solved. But just the, I, but you know, my wife has seen aspects of this game, and she walked in at that one scene and just went, "What the hell are you playing?" <laughs> Because out of context, it's ridiculous, but so funny. I mean, I sat there and laughed for a, for a good 20 minutes afterwards and put a massive grin on my face. So, I mean, this game is ridiculous. We know it's outlandish. We know in the previous game, you go to the moon, you do all these insane things. And then despite that, despite it all going to pot at the barn and then getting captured and getting wheeled out to Frau Engel and in front of the world, I'm sat there and I'm thinking... This is going to be interesting how I get out of this one. Like, <laughs> here comes the rescue attempt, and then the sword goes back. And you go, oh, they're cutting this close, <laughs> and then all of a sudden she holds up your head, and you go, well, do, I must, I must have a clone. Like, <laughs> is, is this another? Is this a dream? Like, they can't do the old double dream. I mean, that's this isn't Dallas. Like, like let's. It's just, and then all of a sudden you realise, ha, huh, they did chop my head off. Yeah, and it's still. Like, even when the game is ridiculous, it handles that in all the ways that I really appreciate. It handles the humour, it handles the serious, and it handles the characters. Like, it does it all so wonderfully that despite the fact it's outlandish, it still surprises. I think it helps that they do it in such high production. Like, yeah. you, you, you know, the production is there for the real serious moments. But at the same time, the production is equally there for the more you know, surreal moments. Yeah, and I, my argument would be it's whether having those elements there take away some of the more serious moments of the story at the start. Um, no. And I think you know, seeing some of the correspondence we've had, I think some people really do feel that, that you know, yeah, and and you know, I actually understand that because there's elements of, of the new order that I absolutely felt that that was an issue. So I think I can understand where people are coming from, but for whatever reason, 
this game, it that wasn't the case. I think it was just it seemingly felt judged better between the two. One of the comments that was regularly put forward, and I have made this point myself multiple times about the New Order, was that the, it delivered a better story than a game like Wolfenstein deserves, and that was because it was the you know it was the first Machine Games title. It was unexpected that it was actually attempting to take on a semi-serious or at least handled everything seriously even the ridiculous things were handled with a sense of seriousness to sell it in that environment that no one would have expected from Wolfenstein game everyone was expecting to go in there they advertised the dual wielding take heads off a million Nazis and like get through to the end and it was going to be like a shooting gallery and everyone was going to say do you know what? That was the kind of game I was expecting. I'm happy with that. And it didn't. It delivered a story. And now it's gone one step further. But Wolfenstein is not the game to get all super serious. The fact that it actually attempts to, to deal with serious matter in an interesting way is where it gets interesting and that I appreciate it. Because Wolfenstein as a franchise doesn't need to do that. It offers us something different. And I, I for one, really like that about the game. The strongest series of events in the game is the ones that lead up to his execution. And I think it really kind of struggles because it set itself such a high bar. Mm. But you have elements in that that are truly tragic and affecting. I mean, there's there's kind of the the ridiculousness of of super spech coming in to be your lawyer in in that scene. And yeah. he's kind of he's yelling and he's being a lawyer and he has this like ridiculous scheme <laughs> that that, you know, you assume is going to work because it's a video game and you're like, I guess I'm going to shoot my way out of here. And and then he dies and it's horrible. Yeah, instantaneously. Like, yeah, it yeah. is. It is just awful and and you kind of get this this feeling in your gut and the the same the same thing that simon swath was saying about you know fighting through this courtroom and then realizing that it's a dream and and having this moment i mean just the image of blaskowitz like laying his head on his mother's lap is is so powerful and emotional and then they cut off his head and reattach it to a new body and i just I, I can't figure out how they can walk this tightrope because it just seems like it shouldn't hold together. Um, and and we see how difficult it is because I think other places in the game, it doesn't quite work as well. But in this sequence, they really just they just nail the whole thing. It's it's worthy of applause. Yeah. You also, at that point, when Super Special comes into the room, he tells you that, you know, he's going to break you out. And he says that like Grace and Anya and a bunch of the other resistance members are like downstairs in the parking garage with a van and you see him get shot and then the Frau Engel comes up to you and starts talking to you and taunting you and she says like you hear a load of gunfire and stuff going off and she says oh that'll be our you know that'll be the rest of the soldiers killing all of your friends in the garage so up until the point where you actually get your head chopped off and you wake up in the jar with Anya staring at you you know, you think that they've all been killed as well. So it's it's an incredibly bleak section throughout that. Yeah. And that courtroom scene, aside from being almost certainly the most difficult combat section in the entire game, is also just grim because of everything that's led into it. Being able to sell somber amongst the ridiculous. Um, another moment where it did it quite well was uh, the Hitler casting scene, where he just casually drops in. Oh, yes, his mother went to a concentration camp. She's dead. And you're like, what? Like, that's the whole build-up of going to your father. Where is she? Like, and you know she's... For you, up until that moment, she's still alive and you've still got a chance of rescuing you, uh, rescuing her. And then in that discussion, it's like, 
oh no no she's dead and then you've got to deal with that in that instant but you still have to play that role and I just thought the fact that it was just delivered like that was really a, an interesting way to take it on because his mother is such an important role in that game and like I, like that for me is where it takes a step up from just being good to being quite exceptional with how it handles stories at times. I mean, it's not it like it doesn't always maintain that level, but very little does. And I, for me, Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus is a a real sort of starts on a peak and dips massively at Roswell, and then peaks again towards the end. Um, so the game definitely doesn't maintain I, that, that <laughs> level for me throughout. I've heard one of the complaints towards this game, this will lead us on to the gameplay conversation uh, neatly anyway, but is that it's punch, the game is punctuated full of uh, walking simulator levels. And I, and I, I mean, it floors me when I see comments like that. It's like, well, no, it's they're world building levels. Like it's a time to put down a gun for a second and just you know see what's happening around you and, and i you know the, the same thing happened in uh, a new order with the friend angle train level you know that you know they could have quite easily made that you know a shooting gallery walking up a train but you know they challenged the player to think slightly different you know when she gives you that that test you know it's it puts you on the kind of edge that no combat level really in the game put me in in the, in the new order it, it leaves you go oh, like how do i get out of this and it's, it's just brilliantly acting and i think the the hitler level to me is that kind of that similar it puts you in a difficult situation with a character that you you know you detest because you've had years of detesting him from you know your child has been told you detest yet he's so comical in a way but it's also incredibly awkward and you don't know how it's going to play out and i think those levels to me you know, punctuated between the more, you know, heavy kind of bombastic combat levels are really important to the game to actually sell the world, the game and everything about what the new order is. And it's not just, you know, a story cutscene. It's, you know, you're physically a part of that environment interacting and with it. Let's, here's your here's your impetus for caring about this. This is why you should be wanting to kill the Nazis and, you know, and take America back because this is like this is the downside of what's going on. This is what you're exactly what you're fighting against. It's not just soldiers, you know, in fortresses, uh, you know, sort of talking to each other. It's it's the people on the street who are being converted, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's like this is this is your as I said before. This is the kind of the end game situation here. If nobody fights back, all right. So how about that fighting back? <laughs> let's, talk, <laughs> let's talk about shooting. <laughs> Oh, about where we wanted to be. Yes, so uh, leaving the story to one side, I think we all agree that you know there's elements of the story we absolutely love, and elements are rather strange. But the shooting is a contentious one. This is where, if you look more heavily into the critical analysis, some people love this game for its combat. Other people um, uh, truly detest this game for its combat, which is quite odd to me because, um, well, it's not. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll, let me kick off with uh, the Baboon Barons forum post. I found the game horribly unfair. I gradually dropped down the difficulties because of cheap enemy AI or because of the mechanics. Respawning with 20 health next to an enemy got old quickly, as did the broken lean function and limited field of view. Or perhaps I'm not very good at first-person shooters. But I still found my fun severely limited when insta-kills were so common on what was meant to be the normal setting. Now that's, to be fair to the baboon baron that mm. that's a complaint i've heard all over the place and even upon the game's release and in fact you know they um they released a a number of patches to kind of try to 
help players um, on the the lower difficulties to to get through the game because yeah, it, it was hard. Now we're in a weird situation because I think we're not entirely true, right? So as people know, I'm I'm into achievements, um, and generally when a game is shoved into my hand and I think I'm going to play it all the way through, I look at them and go, okay, well, what do I need to do? In this case, um, the game told me I needed to play it on the highest difficulty level, bar one, which we'll get into in a little while anyway. But I am deaf incarnate. I jump into the game. First thing that happens, you know, after watching the cutscenes, I pretty much die instantaneously. I understand the uh, the situation I'm up against that I need to, you know, stealth my way, take some cover. Don't just go in double game guns blazing. Now, I think in that case, I kind of was lucky because I think I understood the game's rules from the absolute outset. Now, the problem we have, and I think, you know, the new order was slightly easier on its lower difficulties i haven't troubled to remember the problem we have is i think the game even on the normal difficulty is quite hard and um people coming in here thinking well i've got two guns i just want to run around and shoot everything and basically everything fall down in front of me um they were hit against a wall where that wasn't happening and I think that's, you know, we've had to talk about many games in this show. The moment you realize you might need to drop it down a difficulty, uh, or even in this case, a game where it says, can I play daddy as its easiest difficulty? Most people don't want to do that because it makes them feel like they're inadequate to be able to um, tackle this game. And in fact, you know, I went back and I played some elements, or a big chunk of this game actually again for a second time on um, can I play daddy? And actually, it's far too easy. Um like you, it, it's almost impossible to die. Um, you. Well, I mean, but I think that's good. Like you, no, you know, it, it is. okay. Okay, let, uh, let me rephrase that. It's not far too easy if you are purely here just to see the story. But it takes away all the gameplay elements out of the game because you are literally just walking around shooting things and barely anything in the game, even the biggest of the bosses, can actually take you down. So it, it almost puts an invis, you know, the invincibility cheat on you which kind of takes away uh, the actual gameplay of the gameplay, if that makes sense. And you know, I'm not going to sit here and judge and tell people how they should or shouldn't play this game because I think that's just reductive. It doesn't help anybody. And in fact, you know, I'd say there's a decent enough story here or even, even better than a decent story here to play on the easiest difficulty if you, that's what you just want to see. Now, my experience is playing it on a ridiculously hard difficulty where I died a lot and I was okay with that. But I think I understood the game's rules from the very start. And what doesn't help, I think the, its rules are different from the new order, which people were coming from. It doesn't present as the kind of game that it is, mm-hmm. I think, in terms of gameplay. Because because you see, I mean, Blaskowitz is, is 6'3 and 240 pounds, and he can hold two assault rifles at the same time. And so you you think you're going to play like Doom, but but you can't like you cannot play this game like Doom. It's a it's a stealth cover shooter that has a pretty bare bones stealth system and almost no cover system. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that's that's weird, you know, like you and you get used to it eventually. But it just it does not seem like the kind of game that you should die in seconds being exposed but that's just what happens in this. And so I think a lot of people's difficulty just comes from the fact that the game doesn't really encourage you to to, you know, stay back and take your time. But that is what's required if you want to get through the levels. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's an odd one to get to a title screen on a game like this and to be presented with six different difficulty levels that you can choose from off the bat. I mean, you look at that and think, well, you know, what the hell does that mean? I mean, which one's easy? Where's normal? Someone mentioned that the Baboon Baron said he played through on the normal setting, but I don't know what he means by normal and that there's like three difficulties in the middle that could all be considered to yeah, be normal so, so there. The, the seven difficulties are called, can I play daddy? Don't hurt me. Bring him on. Do or die. Call me Terribilly. I am Death Incarnate and eventually the final one might need them. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, like you say, John, where's normal? Uh, that's that's not that easy. Like, okay, I mean, yeah, I guess that one probably is normal. But so I, I've played through this. When, when it first came out, I think I got it Mm, probably about four days after it had released and I remember the very initial thoughts hearing from a lot of people were this game's very difficult I tried to play it Just right, uh, I didn't really get on with the um, mm. with the shooting so I dropped it all the way down to the easiest one and just kind of blasted through it and I don't generally I don't like doing that I like to have some challenge in my games I do play quite a lot of first person shooters although more sort of older style shooters i play more games like this than you know things like um you know sort of Fortnite type you know, very fast-paced games or even even like destiny i think was the one that got compared to this a lot because destiny 2 came out a very similar sort of time and i heard lots of people say oh i i, I really like the shooting in destiny it feels very satisfying and i don't like the shooting in wolfenstein and i had exactly the opposite reaction so I, I decided I didn't want to put it onto a low sort of floaty difficulty that would be easy. So I played through it on, I think it was on the um, the Call Me Terribilly one, which is the second hardest from the initial starting point. And it's it's certainly difficult. Like Carl said, I think, what did you, 24 hours to get through the game yeah. in total, which is, I mean, probably an awful lot of time reloading and replaying the same checkpoints over and over and over. And I certainly had that experience with yeah, my first playthrough is probably fairly similar. And it wasn't, you know, like ridiculously extensive seeking out all of the collectibles and going back to lots of areas repeatedly. It was mostly just a fairly straight shot through the game. But I, I really enjoyed how sort of weighty the guns feel and how how the sort of the kickback on them went. And you can have uh, upgrades to them in ways that made them feel significantly different to how they are sort of adding adding extra firing modes to each weapon and there's there's probably seven or eight different weapons that you get in your inventory and then another maybe three or four different heavy weapons that can get dropped that are almost sort of turrets that you use and they all all felt very satisfying to me apart from i think the very first machine pistol that you get that i never used once i found the the assault rifle that, in my mind, made it um, oh, the, but the, fairly pointless. The pistol's all I used because it has a silencer. No, the machine like, ones. No, no, the no, machine the, pistol. Yeah, the, yeah, oh, like the yes, the SMG. Machine. Okay, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was it was like completely made redundant as soon as I got the, the actual <laughs> yes. assault rifle. But yeah, I thought it did strike me as being surprisingly difficult, especially you know, it wasn't even the hardest difficulty that I was playing it on. But then I for research for the show to play through the game again over the last couple of weeks I went back through and I I started playing it I thought I just I mainly just want to see the story here and I want to get that flip side of putting it on the you know very low difficulty but I couldn't quite bring myself to put it on the very lowest one so I went through the entire game on on the don't hurt me difficulty the second one from the bottom and it still got its challenges like there was still a lot of points where I mean, you start the game in a compromised position where BJ is, 
you know, he's his body is broken from the uh, the events of the the new mm. order. And for the first half of the game, it's you know pertinent up until that point where uh, where you do get killed and you get a new body. Your maximum health without overcharging it, which is a mechanic that I'm sure doesn't really need to be explained. But your maximum health is only fifty, whereas it turns into a hundred after um, after you get your body switched over. And at that point, when you start the game off and you're in a wheelchair rolling around with Nazis coming after you because you're you're literally like woken up off an operating table when when your store uh when your u-boat gets stormed but you could you can barely take a hit at that point even on the second hardest difficulty you get killed in like two or three bullets from from the enemies who are not even using particularly powerful weapons at that point so i thought that was it's that was a reasonable point of it's easy enough especially for you know, someone who's played plenty of shooting games in the past, and I, you know, I played through this as well, and all the other Wolfenstein games that are similar. But then I got, I got to right to the back end of the game, just, just fairly well, a couple of hours before the show finished. I still had to polish off the last little bit, and I got up to that very final sequence. That you know, it's, it's not the final. Well, it's not a final boss fight, but it's essentially the you know the final fight in the game. Where you get stormed by a lot of a lot of very powerful enemies, all in a in a sequence, and I messed about with that for a probably died like three or four times. And I was just like, I just want to see the final cutscene. I don't care, mm. and I stuck it down the lower difficulty, and it was so pathetically easy. Like I barely could have died if I tried. Uh, and the difference just between you know what is effectively like very easy and easy is such a huge gap. You know, I should have gone and I should have started on the hardest and just like knocked it down, 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 down to see what each one was like along the way. But I can't imagine there can be too much difference between them just because the second lowest one is surprisingly difficult still. Yeah, I think there are several sections in this game that could be accurately described as unfair, you know, that that really seem almost impossible and we've already heard about the courtroom and maybe that's for a story purpose where they want you to die over and over um but but from the from the canon rin slack not just the people on this show that has been a point of frustration for many many people um because it just seems so so hopeless and you're so out in the open and it doesn't seem designed for you to succeed like even when you do it right it just kind of feels like you're making it through by luck and not necessarily because your your strategy is so flawless or your gameplay. And and that last section as well, where you're you're facing two big robots on on the top of what is essentially like the helicarrier from the Avengers. I don't know. It it doesn't feel like you should win by just poking your head out of a door for two seconds <laughs> and then running back in that door 40 times. But that's kind of what it required of me. And I I guess I don't understand what it gains from that. But but you guys have enjoyed the higher difficulties. So so yeah, well, there is something to to, to yeah. your point. I, I think the problem we have is the presentation of the game suggests one thing and the actual gameplay uh, delivers something different. You know, the story is one thing. I think, you know, Wolfenstein, you expect it to be this bombastic shooter. And, and I think, you know, that's that's not unfair from somebody coming into this franchise. And what the game delivers, it, it actually, you know, it requires a stealthier approach. And I just, it doesn't seem 
I think if you're not in the right mindset, that those two aspects don't gel. And I think it's it is wrong that you know easy is so easy <laughs> that it's the challenge becomes pointless. Um, and then you know the one difficulty up, you know, it's probably you know a little bit too tough. The the way I always describe it is you know, and we've talked about Halo many times in the show, but if you play Halo on easy difficulty like you just it's just another shooter but if you play that game on higher difficulties you know the elements of um of the enemies and understanding what you need to take them down and you know you know being careful of packs and and knowing you know which which sequence of enemy to 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 tackle first because you know they're your your highest danger like the 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 whole play style completely changes night and day and i don't think there's such a big difference in wolfenstein as there is in something like halo but i did find myself um having to utilize things like the silent pistol and in that case um the idea of actually alerting the um the uber guards to my presence was an absolute no-no i had to make my way around the environment and stealthily take them out which the game you know asks you to do on the easier difficulties you basically just run set the alarm off no problem more people to shoot but on the later difficulties if you set set the alarm off you know you're in real trouble you don't want the harder commanders to come out and get you because you know you are going to die one of the things that makes it easier i think from my point of view it has a robust robust um save system which you know you can make incremental you know, movements through an environment, think I've done well there, save it out, and then push forward. If you made wrong, you go back to the save and, yeah, and try a different approach. And what I liked by that was I found myself in situations not just running and gunning through areas. And in fact, you know, I've had a, I remember an amusing conversation we, I had in the Slack channel of um, James not even knowing an area that, was, that I was in, that I was like eulogizing because I thought it was such a brilliant designed area because he hadn't actually used any of the designed area to its fullest extent. He basically just ran through the middle section and got through to the end of the level. And there's me going through air vents and back out into the environment, back through the, you know, uh, back out the way I come to come, you know, below the environment and take out a few more Uber soldiers, then, then move forward and, you know, do a couple of head on battles after taking out the commander and then having to retreat to higher ground as, you know, they send in the the panzer hounds, stuff like that. I just, I found myself fully immersed into having to deal with the elements of what the game was throwing at me. And I, and I was, you know mesmerized by it i have to say i i really liked it but i know you know even people within the own, our own team who someone like sean who you know adored um the new order absolutely hit a brick wall with the new colossus and you know it, it really turned him off the game which is a, a real shame that you know people can't actually get through um the, the difficulty there and I, I have to say then to me that's a mistake um by machine games i think that they, they should have had a more approachable normal difficulty to allow people to kind of enjoy those aspects and then force them through and yeah for sadists like us a lot that want to play it on a harder difficulty that it was there although i have to say there is a harder difficulty called mein which is you basically play through the hardest difficulty in the game and uh, which is i am death incarnate and you can't die otherwise the game restarts um and people have done that i mean people have got that achievement people have worked their way through the game and played through the hardest difficulties in the game and not died once. So proving that, you know, once again, some people are incredible at this stuff. But to me, I can't, I, like literally, I cannot understand how that is possible. I don't even want to watch a video. 
because it will make my own inability of being able to get through that. I can understand why it would be possible. I mean, for me, obviously, I played through it on I Am Death Incarnate, and there was three very notable uh, problem areas. The Manhattan recruitment of Grace, mm-hmm. the courtroom, and the final run on the Ausmercer. Which I got through really easy, so I don't... But that's everyone says that one, because I think I just stood in the corner and shot everybody. But the courtroom Well, I, I was shot in the corner, but it's the, it's the case that sometimes they, they came from your left, sometimes they came straight ahead, sometimes they tried to snipe you. It depends where you are. And that, that one was the easiest of the three. To be honest, the rest of it, I didn't find that difficult. I, I could play that slow approach and... You know, it's not that the enemies would continually respawn. You can clear those enemies out and they are gone. Mm-hmm. For me, that that was a really good thing. I enjoyed the levels, but it's interesting the way that you talked about them there, Tony, because I thought they were less well-crafted than they were in the New Order, where I felt that the New Order really did promote the ability to go through entire areas fully stealthed, and I never felt like the New Colossus allowed that all the way through. It always felt like there was choke points where you would have to kick off action. Um, And that disappointed me a bit. And then there's the part where you get to choose between three methods of navigation, Um, either being able to go really tall, crawl really small, or charge through walls. They all rhyme. That's weird. All three of those entries are always right next to each other, which yeah. seems like a, a little bit weird in terms of in terms of that design. I think, that, I think they're more... well. I think they're more designed as combat abilities than navigation abilities. But but they don't do much in combat either. I mean, like, you know, the 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 stilt walker one seems like the coolest because it changes the way you move the most, but I never used that in combat. And then the stealth ones only work like the one where you can get under stuff, only works in areas that you are able to stealth through anyway and so you don't need yeah. it and then and then the charging through people is just kind of a death sentence because if you get that close to someone you're probably going to just get not, shot not and die. the stealth one you can go under cars etc so you can hide yourself away that you would in areas that you wouldn't have been before um you only have a limited amount of time you can do that but you know it is there yeah i think Yay. i think it's it's meaningful that the the three choke points of the game are all parts where you can't stealth through because yes. it seems like this game is designed around stealth, and yet sometimes they make you not do it, and those are the hardest parts. Yeah, it felt like that craft of design was handled better in the New Order for me than it was in the New Colossus. What I would say is that the environments are incredibly well realized, um, to the little detailings of items on desks and the way things are arranged, and actually just being able to walk around Eva's Hammer and look at the way things are. It, it's quite spectacular in terms of the details, which I absolutely loved. I thought that was fantastic. And then um, you've got like the New Mexico uh, approach down the high street, which where you've got people handing out flyers and and, mm. and you you got the American style diners. I thought that was absolutely stunning, um, in in the way that that was handled. Like it it does some stuff really really well. But then we have my issue, which was the mechanics. And I know on the PC version specifically, there was a huge complaint about the level of head bob, which obviously there were ways around removing it on the PC, which is great, which aren't available on consoles. But there was this strange movement where you would look to the side 
and then it would almost slightly elastic band you back and then back the way it was like a, a, a horizontal head bob and it genuinely annoyed me from the start to the end of the game it was a stupid thing that didn't need to be in there and it reminded me of when prey launched that also had control issues when you were playing it on consoles um, specifically the PS4, that got patched, and I don't know why it never got removed in Wolfenstein 2, because it doesn't feel like it should be there. It feels it, it, it feels like an error in the control system for, the, for that strange sort of whiplash effect almost. And it's only minor, but it's every single time. It's funny because I have no idea what you're talking about, but then that's, that's fine because, you know, that was an issue to you. I mean, back to John's um, point earlier, I... I was playing this game around the time that people were playing Destiny 2, and to me, to me, Destiny 2 was this really light shooter, like super fast, super quick, super what I wasn't mm, after. Like 20 bullets into an enemy's head to kill it. Yeah, and it's the, the same as, as COD and stuff. Like, and that's a style, and I'm, I'm fully appreciative that's a style that people like, and I maybe like something different. But for me, I'm more about this style. They're, you know, the fact that there is a bit more weight to the character, a bit more lean, a bit more slowness, the fact that it maybe suits the controller a bit better. It's the same kind of thing that you go to, you know, something like the Metro games for. You know, it's a, just, there's a bit more. I mean, even Doom. Well, I know Doom can be very fast, can't it? So, but yeah, just a bit more weight to the character. And so I was there where people were complaining about Wolfenstein 2's, you know, shooting mechanic being ter- terrible. And I've, you know, I've been playing through Destiny 2 going, man, I'm so bored of this. And went back to Wolfenstein going, man, this is, this is great. So it does show you that there is absolutely different styles for everybody. And, you know, I, I do actually disagree on the, on the level design perspective. I mean, I think, some of them are are visually quite lavish and usually in the kind of like more story sections where you're where you're walking around but i feel like a lot of this game is just shooting through subways or an underground bunker or a a street that's kind of collapsed and so you feel underground it feels very corridor e to me and and they are technically complex sometimes because there are different ways around to to kind of you know stealth in different directions but they're not particularly interesting to me i i can't really think of many levels that i actually look forward to actually playing in um because i just don't think that that mechanically they do that much to differentiate themselves from each other I think that's some some trying to keep the 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 graphics as good as they were. I mean, you know, it was it it takes six, and uh, you know, I think they were like, well, yeah, it's not. I don't think it is as as, as corridor shooter, but there is aspects of that that I think I understand where you're coming from. Um, another thing that was always highlighted upon you know its release was the map waypoint marker of where the hell do you go in some levels, and people find themselves going literally in circles trying to find where to go and. Sean Thomas from the forum put this, uh, the submarine hub level was the greatest challenge that I faced in the game. Tougher than any enemy, more confusing than any environmental puzzle. I never knew where I was going, who resided where, or how to find areas I stumbled upon multiple times before. Navigating it was an exercise in wandering around aimlessly for ages, hoping for a solution to present itself. I was close to googling a guide multiple times to just find the objective markers. I'm unsure if it was deliberately created that way to add claustrophobic puzzlement or whether I'm the only person who completely failed to fathom its inner workings, but that submarine felt like a lengthy, mirandering, false delay and intense storyline that constantly asked for urgency. Like I say, 
I don't think he's alone in that. I've seen a lot of people talk about the waypoint marker, and I think my issue was that because I had to kill every single person on the map and do it slowly, I never really felt that I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> the navigation in places was very, very bad. There were points where, I mean, the waypoint marker either doesn't show up or it shows up and it's so tiny that you can't see it with all the clutter that's on the screen. It doesn't show you up or, or down you know, at times as well. Yeah, that same thing. As soon as you start moving the camera, it like fades out and disappears. So I had, I had a number of points when I first played through the game where I did get stuck and had to literally go and find someone's YouTube video of playing through this level to figure out where I was actually supposed to go. And I didn't have too much trouble uh, playing it recently, but I think I remember the points where I got stuck and remember the solutions to get through them, which is ridiculous to you know for it to have been that big of a deal that I'm still remembering it 18 months later. Um, I'm I'm not sure that I agree with the the point about the submarine being complicated to get around. Like it is a it is a large area that that is very sort of corridors and lots of little rooms and stuff, but it's it's also signposted. Like there's there's little points everywhere pointing over to like the canteen is down this way the hacker central is that way here's all the this um the living quarters and this is this is bombate's room and this is anya and anya and bj's room and this one's where the pig lives and i thought that stuff was all pretty well signposted oh no but it was... i i agree with that i got lost constantly i could never find my way around so he's not alone um as somebody that actually went and back into the game and got all the collectibles, even with a guide sometimes <laughs> trying to find where they were telling you to go. Um, yeah, it, it, it actually, what it proved to me, there was lots of areas that I didn't explore. Lots of um, higher up ground or lower ground that I had no idea existed through my first playthrough. And even that I was playing it slowly um, to find the different trinkets, um, which actually forced my playtime up to about 50 hours just through the main story. Game. So, yeah, but, but I, yeah, I, I've enjoyed the game, so for me that that seemed perfectly fine, and I got to play through the game basically a second time by doing the Uber mission or the Uber stat missions. Well, that's that's the the whatever it's called machine, the Enigma yeah, machine, the Enigma machine, isn't it? Where you solve the codes yeah. to work out where the the other Nazi commandos are, and then you go back to the area to take the levels them out in reverse. <laughs> yeah, but some of the levels completely different. Like I remember going uh, back one to added, a couple, and they they yeah they cut some areas off. But yeah, I mean, essentially, you are just replaying in the same levels. But yeah, I, I, I found that stuff interesting. Um, one thing I also think doesn't help the game for its presentation of this is a stealth game is the sound design, or at least the, you know, the musical choices that play through the game. It can be quite bombastic. Um, and it's a bit, it's a bit like driving in a car with a you know a decent rock album on, and then telling the the player or well, telling the driver he only needs to drive at twenty miles an hour. It you know it doesn't always compute. You just want to take up double double shotguns and and you know shred through people only to kind of hit that brick wall. But the you know the sound or the song design is saying no, go for it. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's it can be a little tricky sometimes. Um, and also, I think to me, like the the audio was perfectly fine. But, you know, there could have been a bit more reverb on some of the, you know, the shotguns. You know, it could have been a bit more bass and, and depth to some of those weapons. But minor criticisms. I actually found the audio kind of problematic on my end. I don't know if, if it was just if I had the wrong setting on or whatever. But I've got like a pretty good speaker system and most most games sound fine. And I felt like the voices were mixed so loud and the music basically disappeared behind the gunfire that that sometimes Blaskowitz would be whispering like, Caroline, give me your wings. And it was like deafening 
And and then and then I was like listening, listening to the soundtrack to kind of find songs to put in this video. And there were things that I had never heard before that I thought sounded great. But but I just couldn't hear them behind all of the all of the guns and yelling and whatever. And so I I feel like some things actually got lost in the mix here of what is a, a very good soundtrack. The only thing that I remember is that absolutely god awful credit song that plays. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the credit song is a bit much. Um, I actually really quite like the music through the new Colossus, but I do agree with John. I think the new order does a does have a stronger score throughout. There is a lot of sound work going on um, from subtle environmental sounds, obviously the gunfire sounds, the voices. Then on top of that, you got the music, and then you might have uh, BJ's in a monologue. There are times where a lot can be going on, and you know you're right, Tony. Sometimes the the music can be a bit like fully action packed, and it kind of makes you want to storm in, like dual wielding. But you're like, I can't do that. Like that's that's where I want to be, but I'm gonna stay behind this door frame and pick everyone off one by one. <laughs> Is kind of the the way that I had to play it. Um, yeah, but that was he- heavily tied to the difficulty I was playing on. I think. Um, if I was around the medium difficulties, then yeah, I'd, I'd have felt that it probably all came together quite well. Um, but I, d- I did really like the score going through. I just thought that the score from the New Order was exceptional. So like to be second to that is not a bad thing. But I have to say, obviously, the voice acting is absolutely top notch. As in, as is all the um, the you know the FMV sequences that are populated throughout the game. I think that you know they're brilliantly acted. Um, you know believable and you know both you know brilliantly scored and um you know some absolutely cracking voice acting and any the voice the voice work is top absolutely top tier um and one of the things that that both the new order did this i think better but the new colossus still does it better than most is this game has very deliberate cinematography which you like you only realize that you don't see very much when you see it done well you know like like yeah there has been real thought put into the camera moves and and just kind of like the visual language they're building here and it's it's great and it made me realize that most games just don't do that because i was so surprised to see it done well most games are miles off, and it's a point that I know I've talked about uh, all over social media, and I definitely talked about it on the last podcast in regards to the new order. Is um, there's the moment you pick up the laser craft work and all the cameras come together. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, which is incredibly well done. And then you've got the bit uh, where the discussion with Anya and her parents around the table, and the camera keeps turning mm-hmm. um, to everyone's reaction. Like for me, they are the two greatest shots I have ever seen in video gaming. The new Colossus kind of holds a lot of that back and you get it towards the end game, which is a little bit strange. But as soon as it starts hitting, it's so well done. Um, Yeah, I did absolutely love that. But I think the voice work um, across the board from all the characters who play it straight. I mean, you've got Mark Evanier, who's a great actor, plays Set. You've got Don McManus, um, who, uh, I mean, he's been in like a million movies and shows. He's the kind of face that, you know, you look at him and you go, I know who he is, and he plays super special. You've got uh, Glenn Morshower uh, as uh, Rip, who delivers an outstanding performance as the father that you hate throughout the game. Um, he's obviously he's known as sort of the uh, the shaved-headed agent from 24 in the early seasons, uh, as well as a million other things. Like, the cast is incredibly strong, and they all deliver stellar voice performances throughout. Like genuinely great work 
Right, so that's pretty much our opinions on, on the, the game. So let's hear from our forum uh, correspondents. So Gallo Pinto says, I love the new Colossus. There were so many wait, what scenes and those moments propelled me to the end. I also love the cast of characters in this game. I thought Grace was a fantastic addition and the clarinet and booze-filled argument between BJ and Halton Bone was an utter delight. My only real complaint, well, aside from the credit song, is that I think it's a bit too hard on the normal difficulty. I enjoy difficult games, but the rebooted Wolfenstein series feels like the Uncharted series to me. I'm here for the banana set pieces and the story beats, and I find the game's difficulty spikes can hurt the momentum. So Sean Thomas, who we heard a little from earlier, says, Getting this game to even play on a Switch looked like such an incredible achievement, so I wanted to support the developers. And the conversion that the team at Panic Button did was fairly incredible at launch. Supposedly, it's even better now post-update. Despite some rough edges here and there, I spent several hours wondering how this little handheld was producing graphics of this ilk. It looked incredible in its key moments. Technical achievement aside, though, I didn't find it to be a very good game, more an interactive FMV sequence interspersed with shooting. The core FPS mechanics felt very imprecise and dated, enemy variation was poor, the game through the game, or the path through the game incredibly linear, the base submarine a bafflingly designed space, I never managed to navigate my way around, and there was no replay value at all. I rarely sell games, but this one went the day after completion. And is that story worth experiencing? Possibly? I like the premise of exploring a world where the Nazis won the war and seeing the consequences. It made for some brilliant sequences with occasional real shocks, horrible characters, inventive ideas, and great set pieces. It's hard one to nail down. I felt like I constantly went from finding the tone a bit sensationalist and designed for clickbait to genuinely heartbreaking or thought-provoking. One minute I'm feeling unease at a dinner scene making me thankful for my freedom, the next I'm wondering why a blood-covered female character is taking her clothing off to seemingly only fulfill various teenage boys' fantasies. It is a technicolor, stupid roller coaster ride. Many of the heroes' fates were visually shocking, and the now infamous Hitler scene was a real highlight I recall even now, largely down to its art direction. That was the real highlight of the game for me, reminding me of many Hollywood blockbusters and its imagination and attention to detail. Seeing New Orleans decked out in Nazi regalia, walking around futuristic yet retro skyships and space stations after just battling in oak-paneled courtrooms was amazing. The art direction was the real star of the game. I was ultimately left baffled by Wolfenstein 2. Simultaneously stupid and smart, daring and boring, original and old-fashioned, yet despite all this criticism, it remains one of the games that's most vividly stayed with me this console generation. Right, and X Ben Blaster X uh, said on the forum, having really enjoyed the return of the Wolfenstein series with the New Order, the New Colossus was a day one purchase for me. It was everything I expected it to be, but sadly nothing more. The New Order was a real shock to the system and reintroduced a few mechanics lost to the days of 90s PC shooters, but the New Colossus sadly brought very little to the table in terms of gameplay. Despite this, Machine Games have done an excellent job in fleshing out the world of BJ. Exploring the sub and speaking with the various characters on board was easily one of my most enjoyable moments with this game. It was a fun, if not entirely brand new experience from start to finish. If BJ does get a third outing, I'd like to see the same care and attention paid to the world building, also given to the gameplay itself. The Baboon Baron on the forum said, I finished Wolfenstein 2 yesterday evening and I was relieved when the credits ran. Not that it's bad, it's mostly competent old school shooter, but it had not held my attention or interest throughout my playthrough. 
I enjoyed New Order and the subsequent follow-up immensely. They did what Doom 2016 did very well. They took an old-school approach to shooters and put it in a new setting, allowing for a whole generation to run and gun with reckless abandon. However, this outing for BJ had little of the charm or the technical scrutiny that made the earlier versions so enjoyable. Tonally, it's two separate games. One of a man broken by the war, limping on because he doesn't know any different, a product of child abuse, dragging as many Nazis as he can to the grave. Then suddenly he's got a new body, and the game lurches back to B-movie, Rob Zombie-esque silliness. I've no problem with either, but the game ached from not knowing what it wanted to be. Case in point, who even was the new Colossus? It might be the main villain, Frau Engel, but in a game where you can curb-stomp Hitler on Venus... Was she a colossus? Really? Superb scene setting was wasted for generic shooter action. Scenes like the Ku Klux Klan walking around in broad daylight chit-chatting with an SS officer was Philip K. Dick levels of powerful juxtaposition, but these are thrown aside for another slog through a machine gun grey Nazi facility. Similarly wasted was the New Orleans section, when BJ searches through the ruins of a once majestic city for the last pocket of resistance and then finds them with little difficulty. A waste to say the least, as the other editions would have had some epic boat riding along the Mississippi chased by a robotic Robert E. Lee belching flames or something equally delightfully mental. Wolfenstein 2 was disappointing. It could not quite decide what it wanted to be, and as a result, fantastic art and locations were wasted in favour of corridor shooting and spiking difficulty. When Volume 3 emerges, I hope machine games realise you can either be Serious Sam or Call of Duty, but never both. Slaughtering Nazis should never be this dull. I like the way that they're the two options. Serious Sam is Call of Duty. Call of Duty is like the pinnacle of seriousness. Well, I think Serious Sam is not. No, exactly. So it has to be... <laughs> anyway, for... Well, Call of Duty was pretty serious. It's not... I, well, that's a different day. Right. Um, Simon Slough from the forum says, I remember the point in Wolfenstein The Order where I felt this was something different, something special. It was very near the beginning where you are pinned to the floor and asked to choose which of your kinsmen, your friends, should die. I recall switching back and forth, not being able to choose. This wasn't Mass Effect where there was a good or bad choice. There was a bad or a bad. I felt helpless. It's a feeling I rarely had. A feeling where I had no control over the situation. Video games usually tell us there is a way out of any situation that the hero will triumph against adversity and save the nearest and dearest, whatever the odds. Wolfenstein in the order, and to a greater extent, the new Colossus prey upon that idea. I love the shooting. I love the stealth. I love the feel- feeling of overcoming the odds when stacked against me. The best parts of Wolfenstein are the parts where I had no control. The parts where I felt helpless. Being physically helpless or restrained whilst Fran Engel taunted me or performed atrocities I could not prevent was emasculating in a way conventional video games are not traditionally. She was a powerful, fantastically awful female antagonist in a company of a handful I can barely recall in popular media. The game is a solid 8 out of 10s in terms of mechanics, structure and design, but it's the moments within this game that elevate it above its peers. Magical Isopod continues... I wanted to like Wolfenstein 2. I really did. I liked the first entry for its bombastic action hero nonsense. I liked liberating little pockets of Europe and putting a boot firmly to the face of fascism. It was exciting. It was badass. And it was held back by overlong waves of bullet sponges enemies. Narratively, it was great. But it had room to improve, and that was exciting. So that's the template we've set. Cool setting. Gameplay needs some work. The frustration that I felt then when I came to understand I'd be playing as exceptionally frail BJ Blazkowicz for the entire first half of the game. 
Wolfenstein 2 is a very poorly designed game. It may have been patched since, but at launch, the game was so poorly balanced on console that playing on anything but the easiest difficulty was borderline impossible. Is that the intent? Perhaps, but it wasn't fun to play. When the alleged baby difficulty still has you sitting through three-minute load screens after 30 seconds of cautious gameplay every time your dude gets blown to smithereens, it fundamentally loses that badass quality and just becomes an exercise in extreme tedium. There were a handful of good scenes, though. Having BJ's head cut off and transplanted onto a new body had me shouting, this is stupid, over and over in an increasingly higher pitch while laughing hysterically. Being able to kill a disgusting, impish Hitler was good fun, and that whole ending sequence where they break into the TV studio and show a real nasty antagonist who's boss. Phew, lad. Me and my girlfriend at the time legit cheered. That was phenomenally well-paced. But on the whole, the game's kind of forgettable. If they make a third one, I'll keep an eye out for the marketing. If they're willing to risk offending modern fascists, God forbid, right? And make a game with sharper teeth, I'll give it a go. But if the intent is merely to deliver a commercial product with nothing to say, there are much better shooters available. Kiyomi says, I was caught off guard by the first game and never expected to find so much depth in what was basically a linear FPS. It was inventive, stylish, and narratively felt fresh with some solid if uninspired shooting. Where the new Colossus falls apart in comparison, it doesn't really up the stakes or create any new tension. In the first game, BJ feels like a wanted man, and after the prologue he's thrust into a horrifying world where the Nazis have won, and this creates a great sense of thrust to the story as you try to sneak into Nazi territory to find and aid the resistance. It feels dangerous, not only for BJ, but for the crew you assemble and grow to care about. Almost none of this exists for the new Colossus, with the story dispatching a major character from the previous game, Caroline, after a couple of hours and immediately serving up a surrogate in the form of Grace, whose leadership of the Resistance sometimes feels unearned and misplaced, even if she's the only new character worth mentioning. Grace merely feels like the shell of a stronger character, plenty of attitude, but because we never get to know her before she's fast-tracked into the role of resistance leader, nothing she says carries much weight, and this goes for other characters too. How am I supposed to care about what you've lost when I've never known what you had? There's no before and after state in the world of the new Colossus, no sense that there was anything before the Nazis took over, and no real sense of where things might go after they're defeated. Machine Games does its best work when they take control away from the player. It allows them to handcraft sequences that can be made to work in a multitude of ways. Frau Engel is still as hideous as ever and a reminder of what made the first game so horribly effective. And although she seemingly dies in a satisfying way, the game dumps you back out to the ship to carry on finding Nazi commanders to kill, thus destroying any narrative notion that what you've been doing for the past 10 hours actually matters. Fascism in America as a topic for introspection is only really broached superficially with the diner scene, and in a time of Trump and growing right-wing nationalism across the world, the idea that a developer can pick and choose what aspects of it to fill their world with uh, feels like a misreading of the room. Fascism in the real world is more pervasive and cunning than is ever represented here, and no one apparently ever asks quite how America would have so easily given itself over to the extremity of Nazism. Nazism. I suspect the answer is perhaps a little too close to home, a little too real. Combine the weightless story with some of the decidedly uninteresting level design, and what you get is a game that often feels like it didn't need to be made, and if it did, fails to carry the torch of its predecessor, while also failing to address the very real and very present issues of the real world. 
Cynic Bang on the forum said, One thing that struck me right away about the new Colossus was just how unflinchingly brutal the game could be. The previous games never shied away from nasty portrayals of violence, but moments such as the flashback sequences where you're exposed to the cruelty of BJ's father towards his family, and later the vile treatment of Frau Engel, uh, Fra Frau Engel towards her own daughter added a really disturbing note to the game. For me, Frau Engel is up there as possibly one of the best video game villains of all time. One of the opening scenes which shows her laughing and parading the severed head of your beloved comrades perfectly showcased just how evil Engel and this regime is at heart. That said, despite its very dark subject matter, the game also contains some genuine laugh-out-loud moments and isn't afraid to have fun with some of the more out-there parts of its story, be it severed heads on new bodies, robotic arms, or Hitler's casting call on Venus. Between these sequences and cutscenes, and exploring the living areas of the U-boat, you will come across some genuinely touching and or funny moments that stayed with me as some of the most memorable of the game. Wolfenstein 2 is definitely among my favourite single player experiences of the last few years, and I'm genuinely excited to see where Machine Games takes the franchise with Youngblood and beyond. HMS Polio says, Colossus was a day one purchase for me. I loved the story and presentation, but the gameplay was a drag. The cutscenes managed to be glorious and absurd, poignant and funny but the actual game part is drab frustrating affair the enemies guns and environments seem to be content in doing the bare minimum to be engaging whilst the story works over time i didn't hate it and found the story joy joyful but the only game i've ever traded in steve aran says sometimes you just want to shoot nazis and have them explore in an ott shower of gore what I didn't expect was by the end of two games, I would be extremely attached to the characters and truly emotionally affected. BJ Blazkowicz has come a long way from being the poor man's doom guy, a 2D head at the bottom of the screen, developing into a well-rounded human being with a touching backstory. Likewise, the villains are far more 3D than the original Mecha Hitler could ever have dreamed of. And oh, the ridiculous one-upmanship of it all. Set piece upon set piece threatening to tip over into atrocious, but never quite falling off the ledge. And finally, Bakers12 says, The new Colossus is probably the best anti-right-wing game in a worrying time when right-wing thinking is on the increase. The games industry seems to want to shy away from politics in fear of upsetting the people who might purchase their games, and for that this game should be congratulated. The satire of such bigoted and small-minded thinking is spot on, from racist nationalists trying to learn German to appease their new liberators slash overlords, to newspaper clippings that explain how an idiot could get to be president through no skill and from force of personality to forward their ideals, mirroring the current situation the US is in. The minute-to-minute -minute gameplay has not changed that much from the first game, but the difficulty does seem ramped up, making some sections seem to offer unfair death out far too freely. I enjoy some of the replay options, giving you a chance to see levels from a different angle. The story, much like the first, is quite bare bones, but the dialogue and cutscenes are top notch. They have a slightly different feel from the inglorious bastards feel of the first. I think the biggest problem of this game is that the previous game was such a surprise with its quality that we overlooked some of its shortcomings. This game sadly does not have the same luxury. Oh, and let's not forget, this game lets you stomp Hitler's head in with your size 10s. If you're not on the forum and you just want to be a part of the show and just want to, you know, follow us on Kane and Rinse as well, we always do the free word reviews, which is can you sum up Wolfenstein to the new Colossus in three words? And these people did exactly that. So, starting us off, the Baboon Baron says, Nietzsche so good. Uh, Gallo Pinto says, Jaw on floor. Andrew Elmore said, Destroy all Nazis. Devin Raspo 
a terrible sequel. Cyrus said, basically just 2020. Stephen True says, cool set pieces. Matthew says, we're too hard. Gareth Birmingham says, high hopes killed. Trent Gleason says, Hitler Hollywood simulator. Uh, Nola Nerdcast says, yesterday's Nazis today. I've got an issue with this next one because you don't kill Hitler. Oh, you can. You can. You can. Yeah, you can yeah. stomp on his head. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got the achievement, but I didn't necessarily kill him. I just knocked him unconscious. <laughs> I think, no, I think you stamp. cracking his neck. <laughs> Stamping on a 72-year-old man's going to kill him. Internet famous Cinnamon Angel said, finally killed Hitler. Matt King, difficulty spikes everywhere. Matthew Martin says, full metal Nazi. And finally, rounding us off, Imran Khan says, not that alternate. All that put to bed, let's um, finish up the show with our summaries. Uh, Carl, can you kick us off? I'm surprised at some of the mixed feedback that we got regarding this game. Um, and I say that having completed it, because when I started it, I could have kind of seen that. I did. I was a little bit disappointed coming into it. I was a huge fan of the New Order. I felt that the controls were a little bit off. They felt a little bit too loose. The strange rubber banding of looking horizontally really winds me up. I felt like I was consistently changing the sensitivities to try and find something that felt a little bit more solid, a little bit more robust. Um, and it seemed to lose some of the stealth elements that were so strong in the first. But that said, the game still does so much so well. So the combat still feels great. Um, the choices of the weapons really, you know... As something that I like. The fact that you've got uh, perks to be unlocked through different various styles of play. You've got a great roster of characters there. Some of the strongest that I've ever experienced in a game that I genuinely cared about. The the little side stories that you would hear were utterly wonderful. Um, the amount of content from unlocking Enigma codes uh, through little puzzles. The fact that you go in to collect your collectibles are in not a case of replaying levels, but sort of reworked versions of those adds a little bit more uh, longevity there. Um, and ultimately what it came down to was the moment that I completed this game, I wanted to go back in and do more in this game. So other things that were available to me just didn't appeal as much as going back in. And that's always the sign of a good game. It's like when you watch a great movie, you kind of just want to watch that movie again and dissect it. And I, that's how I felt after playing Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus. And it's very rare that I'll play a game and have genuine concern about how a character that's in that story will turn out. So the fear that one of them may die, almost unheard of for me with video games. I, I do find it very hard to get that emotional bond with characters in games. I, I think I've mentioned it in the past that the only game that's ever really had that effect was uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. So the fact that at the end, I was actually clenched that Anya might get killed whilst being pregnant with BJ's son or daughter terrified me in a, in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I thought that was truly wonderful. And I thought the, the whole scale... Um, of how the game builds up to deliver that the new Colossus is the new, for me, the new modern America, I thought was a really clever take. The, the, there's so much in there in terms of little uh, qualities, the little readables, the nuances of the character voices and um, the, the stories that they tell the, for 
the good and the evil that are in this game. It, it truly is an amalgamation of great stories. It does dip a little bit in the middle, which is where my one negative of the game would come. It, as you hit Roswell, I actually really hated that area. I think some of it may have been difficulty-based, um, but that was kind of a low point. But it did get, uh, gradually build back up, and all the way through uh, New Orleans and stuff, I absolutely adored the new Colossus. And at the moment that it finished, even after 24 and a half hours of some really difficult moments and some challenges, I wanted to dive back in again. And it's been a while since the game's done that for me. I absolutely recommend Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, and I cannot wait for the third chapter. Thank you, Carl. Uh, sweet as always. <laughs> Short and sweet as always. Uh, John? I, I think I say this every single time at the end of one of these shows that I've made a lot of my points already, so I think I can keep this fairly short. Um, I've had a very long history playing first-person shooter games um, that really did start off with games like um, the original, very original Wolfenstein 3D and Doom. Uh, although the genre seems to have changed a huge amount in those 13 years practically now, um, I, I've always enjoyed games that are sort of, you know, very, uh, very mechanically based in that respect. You know, I, I very much appreciate the weighty feel of a game like Wolfenstein, in a, especially in a, um, a world where things have moved more to kind of floaty feeling controls and shooting. And there's a lot more interest in, you know, sort of online big multiplayer shooters and MMO style shooters, which I haven't really ever gelled with. So I'm very happy that there are still games that, you know, could not unfairly be referred to as kind of more old school style shooters still being, still being released fairly recently, um, fairly frequently for that matter. Um, I think machine games, you know, they've got a fantastic pedigree through basically being made up of old Starbreeze employees. And it was mentioned earlier that um, it was surprising that uh, the new order came out and was anything more than just a big dumb shooter. But I think when you look back and realize that those the people who worked on that also made games like The Darkness and uh, the Chronicles of Riddick game... Uh, you can see where that lineage has come from because those games also have more to them than just being dumb shooters. Uh, so I, I like, I like a lot of the mechanical aspects of Wolfenstein. I'm very appreciative of a, you know, a, a well-told story with, with well-told um, character sort of mini stories and stuff in it as well. And I'm very happy to see uh, something that can come out and do those two game, uh, those two aspects very well together because you really, you really don't seem to have as much interest these days for that, as I said a couple of times, sort of mechanical, um, environmental and uh, sort of plot, uh, plot driven shooters all in the one thing. So like I say, uh, yeah, I, this, this just, it mixes the, the pieces, various pieces of gaming that I very much appreciate and puts them all together into, into one thing. So don't think there's a huge amount I'd change about it, to be honest. Uh, yeah. From my point of view, I, I'm appreciative that this game is allowed to assist. I mean, on, on the face of it, you know, it, it seems like the industry is moving away from big triple A uh, single player experiences and, and certainly ones like this, where it's asking the player to both challenge itself intellectually, as well as, um, from muscle memory uh, and combat wise. So I think, you know, both uh, machine games and, you know, you know, Bethesda 
um, for you know funding projects like this. Um, you know, it's it's a really encouraging sign. Um, like I say, I hope it's old enough for the sequel to happen because. I, I'm sure I speak for everybody here. I, I'm desperate to see how this, if this is a trilogy, how this wraps up. One of the things I think we haven't probably managed to, to talk about on the show because it's it, it, it's hard to do is some of the incidental stuff that just happens on like the submarine or through um, some of the more street areas where you just see characters talking um, some of the, the propaganda stuff that I think, you know, you could just run past and completely miss. But if you spend the time and actually read up and look at all the collectibles and stuff, you know, that's not for everybody, but there is a ton of work here that's happened in the background. I think a lot of people will just breeze past. Um, from me, you know, I appreciate all the story elements. Um, and I think the game is probably a bit front heavy in some of the more interesting stuff but i really gelled with the gameplay and then that's not to say that that is for everybody but for me i absolutely adored stealthing my way through this game because it felt like it was a viable option even though the game felt like it should be a traditional run and gun old st style shooter and the fact that you could actually stealth your way through it was intriguing to me and i really enjoyed my time with it um, I absolutely love this game, I have to, to be honest, um, and it's made me want to go back and, and check out the new Colossus to see if my opinion of that game maybe was slightly on the wrong side. So, yeah, big thumbs up for me. I uh, The new Colossus, I thought, was a fantastic experience and you know, may the franchise continue ticking. The new Colossus is a, a weird game for me because th there are a lot of things that I don't like about it. I don't I don't think it's particularly fun to play moment to moment. I think that the writing on the whole is actually a pretty significant downgrade from the new order, even though, uh, like I've talked about, they're, they're going for different genres. Um, and, and yet it is an incredibly important game to me because of the issues that it tackles. It, it has given me enough to apply years of schooling and research into a 30-minute video and a two-and-a-half-hour-long podcast. It's, it, you know, directly relates to a lot of the things that I think about every day in terms of politics and activism and revolution. And, and its characters truly resonate with me. It's a tricky one. It's a it's a mixed bag, but the good parts of that bag are so good that I would never not recommend this game to someone, even with all of its faults. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review. Or best of all, uh, visit our patreon.com forward slash cane rinse and help us continue keeping the lights on. It just remains for me, Tony, to say thank you to Carl, John and Jacob as well as our correspondents and editor Ryan, plus, of course, all of you for listening. Next time in issue 363, it's This War Is Mine.